conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. These days, the media is full of buzz about the upcoming 2024 election with all the candidates for president and other offices declaring what they would do if elected and the results of this poll and that poll. Today, polls, just like elections, can be rigged and I think often are, but Lost in all this hype and speculation is almost any further discussion of our rigged and stolen recent past elections that overall little progress seems to have been made in correcting the massive, well-coordinated and sophisticated electoral machine the communists, Democrats and their allied Republicans have operating to continue throwing our elections to the political left. Many of you, like me, I'm sure, must be continuing to ask yourself, how the hell did we ever get in this dire predicament where we have the illegitimate presidency of the appallingly corrupt communist agent Joe Biden, who with his rich and powerful leftist allies in our society have unleashed an unprecedented Marxist revolution on America? As I see it, this has been a long time coming and has been carefully planned and executed, as I'll explain in more detail in a bit. But Those of us opposing it didn't seem to see what was happening until it was too late. We wanted to believe we had a real real election process. Uh, We had a real judiciary that would stand with us. We've had contested elections before in this country. I understand Thomas Jefferson's election was a contested election, but the judiciary would not help us this time. We have been we've been opposing it, but we, we didn't see what was happening until it was too late to, to stop it. And even now we've been trying to stop it, we've been largely unsuccessful. <clears throat> Longtime anti-communist author and activist, David Horowitz, who I consider one of the great thinkers and writers of our time, states in his new book, Final Battle, that the election of 2024 may be the last real election with any semblance of legitimacy in America. It was the most sickening and shocking thing for me in all this to see how our judiciary, as I've said before, right up to the Supreme Court, and it wasn't all of them. We still had the justices Alito and Thomas who wanted to hear the cases, particularly the case brought by Texas AG, who was backed by some 18 other states to contest the election. But the rest of the court, including the three Trump nominated justices sided with the majority there. All the rest of them, they wouldn't help us. They essentially stood down and refused to even consider the mountain of evidence of election and vote fraud that existed in the 2020 and the 2022 elections. Much of that evidence has now been destroyed, I'm sure. And it appears that by and large, many of the people who were concerned about it have given up on the possibility of anything meaningful being done about it, turning their attention now to 2024. As though, It's just another election where everything's okay. Just you wait, say many people now. Just you wait. Why, next year we're going to beat those awful Democrats and Joe Biden. Yep, it'll be another red wave. That's red as in Republican engineering, not red as in communist red. I say there was a red wave in 2022, but it was blunted 
and defeated by the election chicanery and the fraud that handed that contest to Joe Biden cohorts. But exactly how we are going to beat the communist Chinese parties, CCP's, and Communist Party USA's chosen candidate, Joe Biden, when so much of the corruption that put him in the White House in the first place seems to still be there, is anybody's guess. Maybe that's why old China Joe seems so unconcerned about 2024, since he knows it's still largely in the bag for him. If you've listened to past episodes of these shows, you've heard plenty about the evidence all the evidence, well, not all of it, but much of it, of election and ballot fraud in 2020 and 2022. Let's recap a little bit here. For example, in 2020, the 700,000 ballots Republican poll watchers weren't allowed to see in Pennsylvania, some 120,000 more ballots having been received and counted in Pennsylvania in 2020 than there were registered voters in that state. This is from Trump's uh, press spokesperson and others. Also, there, the video on the Vote Count Center in Atlanta in election, on Election Day evening 2020, where poll watchers and media are kept far away from the actual county and then sent home for the night, after which Democrat, the Democrat-controlled vote counters pull suitcases of ballots from under a covered table and start running batches of them multiple times through counting machines. In 2022, the multi-hour wait lines in Republican voting areas in Arizona's Maricopa County and the fiasco with all the wrong-sized ballots in those areas that jammed the counting machines there. The hundreds of thousands of ballot envelope signature verifications in Miyakopa, Maricopa, that were processed in less than three seconds each, 70,000 of which were two seconds or less each. They'll, and all, there are also the bizarre multi-thousand vote flips from Trump to Biden showing up on television coverage on Election Day 2020. And on and on it goes. As I've said, a virtual mountain of evidence of fraud that to date no court has agreed to even consider. And while those on the political left howled in dismay at Trump's win in 2016, declaring loudly that regu- and regularly that our electronic voting equipment was highly vulnerable to fraud and hacking and real evidence that Donald Trump somehow stole the 2016 election by some sort of collusion with Russia. Once Joe Biden was ushered into the White House, however, there was not a bit more complaining about these vulnerabilities or suspected fraud by the Democrats or their rhino, that's Republican in name only, allies. In fact, the left then went on a vicious campaign of censorship, lawfare, that is using the law to intimidate, terrorize, and destroy people who they don't like, and demonization of anyone questioning the results of the 2020 and 2022 elections. Typical hypocrisy of the political left. And so we've had our president, Joe, my son has not made money in China, Biden. Joe Biden, the gangster who more and more evidence coming to light indicates strongly, has been selling out his country by peddling influence in his office to foreign governments and entities for many years. Joe Biden, arrogant, self-righteous, defiant in the face of any criticism, an incessant pathological liar who tells us what he wants us to hear and then proceeds with unleashing ever more Marxist hatred and ideology on us. Joe Biden, as much as he can be within the limits of our political system, is trying hard to be a dictator. Aside from all the evidence and allegations of voter and ballot fraud in 2020 and after, there have been the claims and evidence presented by of electronic vote manipulation by operatives primarily in communist China, but also in other countries. 
These have been put forth by election integrity activists, including Patrick Byrne and Mike Lindell, whose website, frankspeech.com, has a slew of documentary videos discussing and documenting claims of electronic election fraud. And by the way, Mike Lindell on his frankspeech.com website will be hosting the Election Crime Bureau Summit over August 16 and 17. That's next month, just about a month. See the website for more information on this important event. Thank God there are still some concerned Americans fighting to correct our rigged and stolen elections. On their website, theamericanreport.org, and in their book, The Hammer is the Key to the Coup, journalists Mary Fanning and Alan Jones detail allegations of the use of a CIA-developed supercomputer called The Hammer, which they say was commandeered by intelligence community officials during the Obama administration and used to Ill- illegally spy on millions of Americans. An elections interference program used with this supercomputer called Scorecard was also used to commit large-scale vote flipping from Trump to Biden in 2020 and from Trump-endorsed Senate and other candidates to Biden, communist globalist-supported ones in 2020 and 2022, says retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General Thomas McKinnerty, whom I presume has contacts with the U.S. intelligence community. And he's been talking quite a bit about the hammer and scorecard. I haven't heard a lot from him lately, though. He's in his 90s. So I'm kind of worried about him, but he's one of the few voices speaking up about this stuff. At one point, I believe I heard McKinnerty say he thought elements within our FBI gave access to the computer system of to this computer system to the CCP's operatives. If it's true, I hope it was access and not plans for building one themselves. Mike Liddell contends that these CCP operatives committed more than 90% of the election interference cyber attacks on U.S. electronic voting equipment nationwide in 2020. If true, to me, this would be treason on the part of those involved in our intelligence community and an act of war on the part of communist China. McKinnerty has also said the perpetrators of this fraud on the American people were going to employ it in the 2016 election, but didn't for some unknown reason thus allowing the lawful election of Donald Trump. From that time forward, the perpetrators began planning the coup of 2020 and carried it out. Here's some audio from General McKinnity commenting on these cyber attacks and the hammer and scorecard on the Two Mikes radio podcast. I think this particular program was shortly after Election Day in 2020. Please play soundbite one. Today, uh, we have... uh General McInerney is back with us on two mics on the Freedom First Network. And General McInerney has some new breaking information on the cyber attack on our election uh, with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. General, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, uh, Colonel Mike and Dr. Mike. Good to be back with you. Uh, I was made available yesterday, or it was made available to me some very sensitive information discussing the cyber attacks on the 3rd and 4th of November um, on the 2020 election. It had to do with the following states, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Michigan, and Georgia. Now, let me step back just a second. World War III has started. World War III is a hybrid war. We were attacked a year ago by the Chinese uh, with a biological attack that they 
said was a pandemic. It was not. It was a deliberate attack, not only on the United States, but on the world to, number one, take our economies down, number two, to impact the 2020 election. But the pre-hostilities had even started before, and they started probably well before President Trump came down the golden escalator, but uh, that is when the original fracas that we're going to say World War III started, the hybrid war. The three years of uh, Mueller's investigation was, as a special counsel, uh, was all part of this. The Russian collusion effort was done by the Democratic Party, started by Hillary Clinton, to hide her serious charges of using and violating the Espionage Act with her email server, plus other areas that have opened up. For instance, the theft of Hammer and Scorecard, a top-secret special access program that the CIA had listening to radical Islamists. And two weeks after President Obama was elected, it was moved from CIA headquarters to Fort Washington, Maryland, and started listening to U.S. citizens, a major violation. So we now had an impeachment, and now this election. This is World War III. Any person who's got a brain bigger than a, a shrimp can understand that this was a corrupted election. Now here's former NSA, I believe that's National Security Agency, senior analyst Kirk Weeby, I believe it's pronounced, with a brief further discussion of the hammer and scorecard. Play soundbite two, please. The hammer and the, ap- the application that works with it called scorecard is designed to change votes on the fly, as they are reported by tallying locations in all precincts and counties, whatever applies to your state, as totals are reported via the internet. The data is grabbed in real time, changed, and sent on its way. And this happens in microseconds. I'm not going to go into the technical details of how that happens. Just realize that the data is changed so quickly in the favor of whatever candidate it's it's told to favor that no one notices a delay and just accepts the total. And this has been going on in numerous states to include battleground states during this whole election. And it is still going on. You know, we have the longtime communist symbol of the hammer and sickle image. And now we have the CIA supercomputer and elections program used with it known as the hammer and scorecard. Hammer and sickle, hammer and scorecard. Are you getting the possible inferences here? Now, we know there are a lot of leftist thinking people and admirers of communist China and that in our government. And we know that uh, 
it's just been reported widely that uh, James Comey, the former head of the FBI, said at one time he was a communist. Uh, we have James or uh, John Brennan, the former head of the CIA, who bragged about voting for the, com- the Communist Party USA candidate for president. Uh, he did he did that twice. He said he did that twice, uh, according to uh, Alex Jones uh, and and others. Uh, you just it, I just have to wonder, you know, what these people are thinking. But of course, a lot of this too is connected with money from communist China for the big corporations and other things. The person journalists Fanning and Jones say actually designed and built the hammer and scorecard. I believe is former CIA contractor Dennis Montgomery who reportedly turned over evidence of illegal use and spying with the hammer to FBI and Department of Justice officials, who then reportedly buried and did nothing with it while slapping Montgomery with a lifetime gag order under federal national security statutes. As you know, Donald Trump has always contended that 2020 elections was a coup and has always maintained the election was rigged and stolen. General McKinney said Trump has been briefed on the hammer and scorecard, as I imagine many of the other officials of the government have, including Biden, of course. Biden's supposed to know well about this. But under national security law, Trump has been from publicly discussing it. I've been unable to get my congressional representatives to even speak to me about it. While I, when I send them uh, letters and emails about it, I have sent a printed letter, but uh, I, I, it seems that... I'm not sure if it has to do with these national security laws mentioned earlier or something else, but no one seems to be willing to even consider it. And whether what whatever is the true situation regarding this this stuff, we had damned well better get in look into it and establish the truth. And if what has been alleged is true, then we must get control of the hammer and scorecard and shut the whole thing down before it's too late. Regarding all this election cyber, all the election cyber attacks, corruption, and ballot fraud allegations that have occurred, where where are these Republican legislators who, legislators who have allowed these things to happen in their states, particularly the battleground states that have decided our elections? As I see it, the Constitution says, well, the Constitution states that state legislators, not governors or counties or cities or election commissions, unless they've delegated authority by the legislatures, decide the manner of running elections in their respective states. I know Supreme Court just ruled that this is not above judicial review, but it also warned that the judiciary should not go too far in, in, in making decisions regarding review of this power, this authority. But it doesn't change what the Constitution says. It's obvious that in the hopelessly corrupt Democrat and rhino-controlled vote counting centers in Detroit, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Maricopa County, in Arizona, and elsewhere – They're going to continue the fraud and throwing of our elections unless they are stopped. The supposedly Republican-led state legislatures, particularly in these key battleground states, need to get their acts together and go in and take over these places with their own loyal state law enforcement and elections personnel before our next election and run these places enforcing state and federal laws. If they get any resistance from local corrupt elections or law enforcement people, arrest them on the spot and jail them. Moving on to other matters in the news currently, I'm sure you're already aware of the reports of cocaine having been found in the White House. While supposed investigations are being conducted, since we know that the DOJ and the FBI and all the rest of them have old Joe Biden's back, 
I suspect it will all be swept under the rug, just like the years-long supposed investigations, but in reality cover-ups of Hunter Biden's activities and the resulting sweetheart plea deal he got on federal tax and gun charges. But there is a prediction that more serious legal issues will eventually engulf both Hunter and Daddy Joe. It's from, it's being pointed out uh, from some recent commentary by Dr. Steve Turley on his YouTube channel. The soundbite begins in the middle of Turley's discussion of recent polls about Biden and government corruption. You'll hear Turley refer to Joe Biden as the cocaine commander in chief and Joe Blow. Please play soundbite three. Not only did the poll find Trump beating Biden both nationally as well as in all swing states, but 33% of Democrats nationally and 34% of Democrats in swing states said they want somebody else other than Biden. They would support someone else other than Biden. One in three Democrats, whether nationally or in swing states, want someone else other than Joe Blow, right? The cocaine commander in chief. And make no mistake, this is all tied to an increasing evidence of his corruption and the corruption of the Biden administration as a whole, including the Justice Department. According to the latest Rasmussen polling, 55% of likely voters believe that Hunter Biden got special treatment in his sweetheart plea deal. 55% think he got off because of his DNA, his genetics. That's not good. At the same time, according to the latest Harvard-Harris poll, 55% of the population, isn't that interesting, believes that the federal indictment against President Trump is totally politically motivated. 55% of 6 in 10 think this is nothing more than a political hack job. 56% believe that this is a deliberate interference in the 2024 election by Biden's Justice Department. People aren't buying this. They're not. The legacy media is doing everything it can to black this stuff out. And yet a majority of likely voters think Biden is corrupt as the day is long. And here I want to highlight an excellent piece by Victor Davis Hansen entitled, This Scandal Will Lead to the Biden's Convictions for Serious Felonies. And I think he makes an excellent argument here. Hansen makes the argument that more and more people are becoming aware of the blatant and explicit tax evasion and illicit business dealings involving Hunter Biden. We now know that Hunter Biden has schemed to hide millions of dollars. And we now know that President Biden himself was complicit in these illicit activities. We know from the big guy email. We know it from the latest WhatsApp text messages, which we'll get into in a sec. We know it from the photo evidence of Biden taking pictures with Hunter's business partners. We know it from their shared bank account. And we know it from eyewitness testimony from the likes of Tony Bobolinsky, who's Hunter's old business partner, who has testified that he was present at business dealings that involved Joe Blow himself. So more and more people know Biden is lying about his knowledge of his his total lack of knowledge of his son's business dealings. More and more people are learning that Joe and Hunter received substantial sums of money from Chinese and Ukrainian sources in exchange for leveraging Joe Biden's influence and position in government. 
more and more people are learning that Biden didn't pay taxes on that money. And for Hansen, Victor Davis Hansen, when all said and done, that is the key. That's the linchpin to this whole thing blowing up on Joe Blow. Well, exactly where they're going to indict Joe Blow and uh, convict him. I'd like to know in the swamp in Washington. Steve Turley always insists on taking a positive attitude about things and opposes what he sees as negative thinking. Well, that's all well and good as far as it goes in the way of public discourse. And as much as I respect Dr. Turley's keen insight and research, I think Turley sometimes takes a rather rosy outlook on the world and current events. Nonetheless, I sincerely hope Turley is right and Victor David Hansen, who he's quoting here, in this case. While we're on the subject of the criminal we have installed in the White House, let's take a look at one of the ways China Joe Biden and his backers in our deep state and Beijing are working diligently to utterly destroy America as we have known it and transform it into an unrecognizable socialist hellhole, the invasion at our southern border. Our Supreme Court recently ruled that U.S. states don't have standing to sue the Biden administration over its refusal to abide by our federal immigration laws, at least under the circumstances of the case that was brought before the court. The Congress should be acting decisively to put an end to this madness on our southern border, but appears unlikely at present, given the 2020 and 22 rigged elections essentially securing control of the U.S. Senate for the political left. Don't kid yourself into thinking the staggering invasion at our border is significantly lessening, according to recent reports in our mainstream propaganda media. It is occurring because, uh, or or that it is occurring because of climate change or some other leftist charade meant to con you into going along with it. What's happening at our border is a well-orchestrated, carefully planned and executed act of war against America by Joe Biden and his allies among the globalist communist puppets in the United Nations World Economic Forum and CCP, the World Economic Forum being a tool of the CCP. These organizations are reportedly working closely with the Mexican and other Latin American cartels and the CCP criminal gangs to further human trafficking and drug smuggling, which is very profitable for them, including the deadly fentanyl from communist China, which China denies, of course. Here's some audio from a recent Alex Jones show on Infowars.com, where Jones is commenting on the immigration invasions of Europe and the U.S. Play soundbite four, please. You're seeing the invasion. They say, come here. They set up big U.N. refugee centers on the border of Europe. And they pay for the Zodiac boats to come in from North Africa. And tens of millions, it's over 20 million in the last 10 years, conservatively, have poured in. Tourism's down 80%, crime everywhere, half the cities are no-go zones. Uh, If you're white and you go even near one of these zones, you are dead. And it is just absolutely vitriolically anti-white, totally psychotic, totally out of control. But remember, the same UN NGOs, that's non-governmental organizations, that run the invasion in Europe, run the invasion on the Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California border, on record. Look up. UN Soros NGO that ran Europe invasion runs Texas invasion. We went down there two years ago, showed the group, showed their trucks, showed them in command, showed the news articles that they are in command. On average, I'd say they're 30-year-old PhD leftist, social engineers down there, 
And they run the show. They run the child smuggling. They run the, the programs to make sure there's not DNA testing now of the children when they're just handed off to random people, including newborn babies. I mean, it's as hardcore criminal as you can get. And of course, along with these plots to overrun Europe and America, is the globalist communist hatred of white people whom they whom they have always blamed for all the world's problems, real or imagined. So we have a situation where people where people, particularly non-whites, are being told that here are valiant, mostly white leftists, saving them from other evil white people. And let me be clear, I'm not preaching xenophobia or racism here. Europe and America have long welcomed legal and reasonable immigration from many different countries. This is something entirely different than what's occurring today. Anti-illegal immigration activists and news correspondents Michael Yawn and Todd Benzman, Benzman being the author of the book Overrun, have been reporting on vast encampment cities being built in Texas to house this flood tide of illegals, those who have not already been sent into the interior of the U.S., particularly in Republican-led regions, so they can be used to vote legally or illegally against Republicans and for communist globalist New World Order candidates. Here's more on the southern border invasion from Michael Yawn discussing what he's been seeing in Panama, which he just returned from, near the Darien Gap. That's the only land route through mountainous jungles from South America to Central America, which is being used to smuggle and funnel hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants on their way to the U.S. annually. Play sound by five, please. In fact, I just came in from Darien Gap, uh, which is the area that you're talking about. I, I just got in about 12 hours ago, actually. Some Embra Indians just drove me up to Panama City. I have to get to Texas uh, for the s- same issues. Uh, but the bottom line is, is the, the the U.S. State Department and the U.N. are blaming the cartels, quote unquote, for this uh, what's going on down there. But in fact, it's the United States and the U.N. that's doing this, absolutely doing it. The Centerfront are very professional very fit, very serious people. I deal with them all the time when I'm out in the jungles and whatnot. And uh, in fact, they were trained for many years, uh, generations by U.S. Green Berets who stay in the same sort of, if you call it hotel, hotel that I stay in down there, sort of a one-star hotel. But it's very nice, actually, Panamanian family. And uh, But the bottom line is it's right beside of a camp down there called San Vicente Camp. And San Vicente Camp is filled with coughing, wheezing, itching um, invaders is what they are, who come up night and day in buses uh, as, as they emerge, as they walk out of the, the Darien Gap and just start heading to Costa Rica and then finally to the United States within a week or two, and they're all over the United States as you can see it. This year, uh, I sent you an article last night that just came out about the uh, Cinefront announcement a few days ago. I was actually at the announcement um, and in fact, I flew from California just for that announcement. I was actually heading somewhere else. And I realized that Centerfront was about to announce an operation to go after the cartels down there. So I canceled everything, flew straight back to Darien Gap and uh, and went to that Centerfront meeting. And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, what's going on down there is the flows from the, the invasion are increasing this year. I'm going to just go ahead and throw a guess out there. It's going to be about 500 to 600,000 uh, illegal aliens that come through the Darien Gap. Uh, coughing and wheezing, the Panamanians have had their fill. The local Panamanians are in uproar about it. 
Now let's listen to a recent segment from NTD Television's American Thought Leaders in which host Jan Jekielik, some people say Jekielik, Jan Jekielik interviews Gordon Chang, an authority on the CCP and author of the book, The Coming Collapse of China. At the end of the interview, you'll hear Chang state there are estimates that as many as 10,000 CCP, People's Liberation Army spies and saboteurs, may have already entered the USA via Biden's and the globalists' engineered invasion. Please play soundbite six. Hello, everyone, and welcome to American Thought Leaders Now, our spinoff of the original American Thought Leaders series. Today, our special guest is Gordon Chang, author of Coming Collapse of China. Gordon, so good to see you. Oh, thank you so much, Jan. I really appreciate it. Well, let's talk about something that Secretary Blinken said in that case. And he basically said that uh, the U.S., if I recall correctly, does not support Taiwan independence. On Taiwan, I reiterated the longstanding U.S. one China policy. Uh, that policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. And so but Taiwan is already, I think everyone understands, or most people understand, is an independent state in itself. And while I guess technically what he said was true, um, it's not the whole story. Maybe you can kind of explain here. Well, U.S. policy on Taiwan is complicated. Um, as the Secretary of State said, it's grounded on the Taiwan Relations Act the three communiques, and the six assurances. And technically, yes, U.S. policy is doesn't support Taiwan independence. But as Blinken also said, uh, we support only a peaceful resolution of the status of Taiwan. Our one China policy is this. We recognize the Communist Party as a legitimate ruler of China. Um, we also acknowledge, in the sense of saying, we understand that's what they're saying, but we don't necessarily accept it, that Taiwan is part of the People's Republic. And we also say that Taiwan's status is unresolved and can only be resolved peacefully. In other words, with the approval of people on both sides of the strait. Now, if you look at all of that, yes, we don't, quote unquote, support Taiwan independence. The problem with Blinken's statement was that after a trip where the Chinese deliberately humiliated him from the very beginning to the very end, he should not have said anything that Beijing wanted to hear. So um, that, I think, is the fault. And we also know, Jan, that uh, Taiwan officials are privately dismayed by Blinken's visit. So it did not work out well for the island and it didn't work out well for the United States. You just touched on something which I've been thinking about a lot lately is how uh, the Chinese Communist Party has kind of weaponized the coal climate change question for its own benefit. Yes, and, and they, they do it because they realize that they've got a willing co-conspirator in the Biden administration. I mean, you have John Kerry keep on saying that climate change is so important that we cannot, um, you know, let other things interfere. Um, and, and that really is, I think, an attitude which has convinced Beijing that they can do all sorts of things um, which are completely illegal, criminal, unacceptable, immoral, what have you. And they can get away with it as long as they are willing to talk to John Kerry. Um, 
you know, I, I, I can't say how misguided and how dangerous this policy is. You know, the Biden administration is maintaining policies that sound good to the ear, sound like they should work. But in fact, over three decades, they've created this disastrous situation. And I agree with Henry Kissinger when he said on June 7th, the Bloomberg uh, war between the United States and China is probable. Um, and it's probable because the Biden administration trying to avoid war is engaging in those types of policies that are encouraging Xi Jinping to think that he can get away with it. This is one of the most dangerous moments in history. And we should be prepared. We should be we should realize that we will be in a war unless something changes. Well, so as we finish up, what are the immediate things that you think could change to avert that? Because I mean, most people certainly don't want war or anything close to that. Nobody wants war. Um, but what we have to do is change our policies. And I think President Biden needs to say in public um, that the United States will defend our friends and allies. We will defend Taiwan um, and make it clear to China that the costs of invasion of Taiwan, Japan, the Philippines, India will be far too high. There's got to be deterrence messages, those messages the president doesn't want to give. And that's why I think we will be in a war. I'll go back to the original question that I asked as we were finishing up. You said there's immediate, you were suggesting immediate steps to avert the sort of reality of a war with China. What are the steps, again, uh, to prevent this sort of reality from happening in your mind? The president needs to make it very clear that we'll defend our friends and allies, including Taiwan. We have to um, start uh, turning out munitions on an emergency basis. The military may have to go to a higher state of readiness. President Biden needs to tell the American people that war is likely and that he starts to mobilize us for civilian defense. And by the way, we need to stop admitting Chinese nationals across our southern border because it appears that some of them are Chinese military and are prepared to commit acts of sabotage against the United States. We have to go to an emergency basis if we are going to save our society. I know that that's politically impossible which makes me even more pessimistic about the way things are going. I just wanted you to comment very briefly on these military-age men who are coming through the southern border. So what, what do you know about that at this point? The great war correspondent Michael Yan, who's at the Darien Gap, is seeing packs, packs of Chinese males of military age, unaccompanied by family members, and who pretend not to speak English. I have heard that someone who has classified access to classified information believes that there are already 10,000 Chinese saboteurs, PLA, People's Liberation Army, in the United States already. As part of the cultural Marxism being forced on America today is the left's ongoing war against white people. Didn't we hear not long ago from the globalist Larry Fink? that desired behaviors have to be forced on people, just like the communists. You may have noticed that so many of our big corporations now embrace the so-called woke leftist ideology in order to please their globalist oligarch communist masters, particularly in Beijing, where they have a lot of money tied up. Part of that is the drive to eliminate one way or another Caucasian people. And of course, it's backed by and large by Caucasian people. You know the child's jingle, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth? Do you remember the admitted communist white 
professor at the Midwestern University a few years ago, joking on his social media, all I want for Christmas is white genocide. Here's audio from commentator and author Mark Dice on his YouTube channel regarding the disappearance of white couples in televised advertising lately as part of this whole thing. Please play Soundbite 7. Ever since the Black Lives Matter insurrection in the summer of 2020 for George Floyd, who was canonized as a saint, the pandering to black people in promotion and celebration of blackness went supernova and all the Fortune 500 companies started obsessing over diversity, equity, and inclusion. So now it's nearly impossible to even find a white couple or a white family featured in television commercials because diversity is a Cultural Marxist code word for less white people. During the commercial breaks now, it feels like you're watching BET, the black entertainment channel. No matter what channel you're on, they're saturated with mixed race couples and of course interracial gay couples to the point that they're so dramatically overrepresented that viewers couldn't help but notice. Although few white people dared say anything critical about it for several years because of the usual fears of being called racist. At one point, comedian Adam Carolla couldn't hold back and tweeted, According to TV car ads, fully 86% of Americans are interracial couples who spend their weekends camping with outdoor theater setups. (laughs) Joe Biden noticed too, but he thinks it's great. During a town hall event two years ago when he was touting the avalanche of diversity, he said this. And I'm going to say something's going to get me in trouble, which I couldn't go through a whole show without doing that. Did you ever five years ago think every second or third ad out of five or six you'd turn on would be biracial couples. And another time when boasting about the progress America was making under his administration, he again basically said the same thing. I challenge you, find today when you turn on the stations, sit on one station for two hours, and I don't know how many commercials you'll see, lay eight to five, two to three out of five, have mixed-race couples in them. That's not by accident. Of course it's not by accident. It's part of the plan to abolish whiteness, as the Marxists openly admit. I think it's really, really important that we understand what, first, what whiteness is. It's sinful. It is a sinful, violent identity construct and culture. Because, first of all, whiteness emerges as a construct always in opposition to that which is not white. That's the way it emerged. It's an oppositional construct. And as such, it is a construct that is always denigrating and dehumanizing of that which is not white. And anything, any ideological system, structure, construct that is denigrating, uh, dehumanizing is violent. And so it's a violent construct. It's sinful. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness on on full display. See, part of the challenge around whiteness is that it totally skews our view of everything. Whiteness is a cult and they will always come to the defense of their cult members. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? They are so corrupt. 
you know, their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power that they can't let, you know, they fear viscerally, existentially letting go of power. When I asked on Facebook last year if anybody else felt like they're watching BET during the commercial breaks on TV, even on Fox News, since I hadn't seen a white couple for over a week, the post got over 30,000 likes and more than 10,000 comments from people who are also noticing the obvious. Shortly after my Facebook post, actor Kevin Serbo tweeted, is it just me or have you also noticed that TV commercials in the last two years have had major casting changes? <laughs> Everyone noticed, but few people would say anything about it because, again, they didn't want to be called racist. Gavin Sorbo was even afraid, obviously dancing around what he was really thinking in his tweet. Jake from State Farm, the phone operator in the State Farm insurance commercials, mysteriously turned black, which is perhaps the first race swap in a commercial years ago, something that is now a common occurrence in film franchises. The Tide Laundry Detergent Company has a commercial showing two lesbians who are both white, folding laundry and talking about how their kids always get their clothes dirty, and then it cuts to them playing in the backyard, and they're black. Two white lesbians with some adopted black kids for extra diversity. Progressive Auto Insurance has numerous commercials featuring married couples depicted as new homeowners where the husband is white with a black wife. Geico then followed suit using mixed race couples in their commercials too. There are too many major brands doing it to count and what started off as just a few isolated instances is now the standard practice in advertising. There's a meme that was created by a comic called Stone Toss showing a man in a meeting pitching an ad campaign to sell burgers, and the proposed advertisement just shows a black person and a white person kissing with the caption, tasty. Another member of the meeting looks on skeptically and asks, are you sure that this will help us sell burgers? Burgers? The presenter asks, because the intention was obviously to promote mixed race couples, not the actual product, and thus a meme was born. And, of course, the ADL has denounced the artist Stone Toss as racist, so you know he's funny. Comedian Chris Rock joked in his latest Netflix special that he even feels bad for white people because there aren't any more white couples in commercials anymore, adding this. What would make white men think they lose in the country? What, what, what? What, because there's no more white couples in commercials? There's no black couples either. Commercial has a mixed race couple. Everything. Yeah, the Brandon conservative commentators won't say anything about it, though, because they don't want to appear as if they're standing up for white people, because that's the ultimate taboo in America. White people are supposed to bow their heads in shame and constantly apologize for existing and always put black people on a pedestal, because 150 years ago, their ancestors were slaves. Well, boo-hoo. Once white people are a minority in the United States, estimated to occur around 2045, will it then be okay for a white entertainment channel like black people have BET, black entertainment television? Will white people be able to have a Miss White USA pageant since blacks, Latinos, and Asians have their own beauty pageants for their race? Once whites become a minority in America, can we have white student clubs on college campuses like the black, Asian, and Latino student organizations? Will it be okay for a white person to say that they're 
proud to be white? No, no, it won't. The special interest groups for blacks, Latinos, and <clears throat> another ethnic group will get unhinged and scream that white supremacy has tried to resurrect itself and white people had their turn, they'll say, and don't deserve to be proud of their race or culture because they enslaved black people hundreds of years ago. White people must forever bow down to the new Latino, black, and Asian majority and live the rest of our lives in servitude to the new ruling class to atone for the sins of our white ancestors, they'll demand. Of course, black people ignore the fact that virtually all countries in the ancient world had slaves. Maybe we should point out that black Muslim tribes in Africa actually sold other Africans to the European slave traders who brought them to North America. Africa is also the world's leader in modern-day slavery, where millions of people remain trapped in forced labor today. Not to mention, one million white Europeans from Britain and Southern Europe were kidnapped by Barbary pirates, Muslims from the Barbary Coast, a region in North Africa, and brought to Africa as slaves between the 16th and 19th century. Yes, white people were enslaved in Africa. Maybe it's time Europeans start demanding reparations from Africa. Of course, black TV shows are always celebrated as being important because black people need to identify with the characters and their experiences while every show featuring a white family or a white group of friends is denounced for being too white. And when the question is raised about a white counterpart to BET or white-only shows and movies, the knee-jerk reaction is always to claim that the majority of entertainment is produced for white people, but with forced diversity being injected into almost every single television show, movie, and even commercials now, which all do their best to make sure that there are an equal number of white, black, Asian, and Latino characters, the claim that white people have entertainment that is a reflection of our own family, community, and culture, is now null and void. Well, I, I think he's overemphasizing a few things there. I, I believe that quite a few non-white people see through this canard, this charade of, uh, as I mentioned earlier, of, uh, of the communists. Anyway, that's it for another show. As always, we hope you found our content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted shortly on the Jim Benson Show pages here on bbsradio.com. Look for us again two weeks from today in this same time slot, and we'll have another live show for you. Have a great rest of your day and evening.